What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey, uh, specifically kind of some home hockey and what might be happening there. Uh, I am Ben Goats, one of your Review Journal Golden Knights beat writers, joined, as always, on the other line by my colleague David Chain this Wednesday afternoon. Dave, how are you doing? Ooh, I'm good. The uh, The weather today, I gotta say, it's one of those... Uh, one of those chamber of commerce days when you when you say that's why you live in Vegas, you know. Yeah, it is. Uh, Put, puts me in a good mood, that's for sure. It's sunny. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful. I personally am probably gonna take a good old spin around the the neighborhood as soon as we get done recording this, which I'm very much looking forward to. But I'm also looking forward to diving deep into uh, a lot of what's been going on with the Golden Knights the past week and some uh, issues that have cropped up but uh, actually not just this past week because there's really only one game to talk about from this past week but it continues some themes that we want to go over uh before we get into all that i just want to remind everyone that the golden edge podcast is brought to you by the las vegas review journal check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com uh, i just had a story go up about some schedule changes that happened for the golden knights i don't want to break them down uh, in an audio format beat by beat here but if you're curious about what the Golden Knights kind of new calendar is, you can check out that story, as well as all our other stuff at ReviewJournal.com. We are also presented by Blue Wire. Uh, and of course, as always, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do podcast, do this one. We would very much appreciate it. Uh, so themes from the, I guess, more than yeah, past week or so for the Golden Knights. Uh, right now, it's that they're not that great at home. They're in the midst of this long eight-game homestand that they wrap up tomorrow against the Montreal Canadiens. Game seven was on Monday against the Pittsburgh Penguins after a lengthy break for the Golden Knights. They came out guns a-blazing, got up 3-0 by the end of the third period, and then gave up five straight goals to lose 5-3 in regulation. That means on this homestand, they are 2-3-2. They are 12-10-2 at home overall, meaning they've lost as many games as they have won, uh, they only have a, a 542 points percentage at home. That is the 22nd best in the NHL. It's definitely the worst in franchise history. I mean, the Knights are accustomed to rolling teams at home, especially when they get the crowd into it. Uh, so, Dave, as the Knights are set to close out this lengthy homestand and close out a good chunk of their home schedule because, obviously... All this time at T-Mobile Arena means that they're going to spend a lot of time away from T-Mobile Arena the second half of the season. Uh, what do you, I mean, make of this? Are you someone that kind of buys into like home road splits? Is there something going on here? Or, you know, is it just kind of the state that the team is in that this is what's happening? Well, I mean, I think to start with is sort of the broad view with this homestand of what a missed opportunity it is. And, you know, you think about where they were in December and, you know, that long winning streak they had put together and the position they had put themselves in. And then they beat the Ducks with a really sound performance on, you know, New Year's Eve. And then every it's just it's like as soon as the calendar flipped, everything sort of sort of changed with with the Knights fortunes as well. And I mean, that you know, like I look through the schedule and, you know, I mean. In some respects, you know, you go the last two games, Toronto, Pittsburgh, like they're really good teams. You know, it's it's not I mean, 
in, in a different context, I don't think we would be, you know, sky is falling and talking about it in, in the way that we are, you know, have they lost to those two teams? It's, it's sort of the buildup. It's, it's what happened, you know, before that. And, and, and I go back and I look at the schedule and it's like, you know, the Chicago game. I mean, I mean, okay. It's all the emotion and it's flurry and he played, but, but like that wasn't really all that great of a game from the Knights. And I think it was like 31 shots or whatever it was on flurry. Like, you know, seemed a little bit, you know, of a bumped up number in terms of just like, you know, when you actually watch the game and how threatening they were, they had moments, but you know, that's a struggling Blackhawks team and, and that's two points dropped. You know, Nashville comes in. Nashville's playing very well. Like, I don't want to take anything away from them, but you'd think that's a reasonably winnable game for the Knights and they drop two points there. You know, they drop a point against Winnipeg, which wasn't playing all that well at the time. Um, you know, you go back into, you know, like December or whatever, there was the Philadelphia game, you know, that the Knights lost. Like, Philadelphia stunk at the time. They're not playing well now. Like that just looks like a bad loss. So, I mean, it's almost like, you know, for every game that it was like Tampa, you know, eh, okay, excusable, you know, they, they have a stumble, they have a, a bump and, you know, all of those points count the same. They're, they're two points, no matter what. And it all adds up at the end of the year. And, you know, in, in some regard, it feels like, you know, if if just a couple of those games maybe go a little differently that they should have taken care of, you know, their business against, then, you know, maybe dropping a couple points here and a couple points there against really good teams, you know, doesn't stand out as much. But when you lose games like you do against Chicago, you know, Philadelphia last month, um, you know, I think even like, I think Edmonton was playing better at the time, but, you know, Knights lost a game late November to Edmonton, like, you know, all those sorts of things sort of wipe out, you know, any any cushion you give yourself to lose to like Tampa, you know, or Pittsburgh, you know, any of those those really high end teams. Yeah, I think the phrase that you said kind of earlier in your answer about it being a missed opportunity feels just really apropos where, like I said, they've they've lost to some good teams this homestand but still you're at home I mean obviously like Pittsburgh was coming at the end of a very long road trip so I think Pittsburgh was tired I mean obviously it's a long way for Toronto to come out you've got these teams in your building so even though they're tough matchups you know it obviously they're winnable situations and the Knights had an opportunity kind of as you said after they beat the Ducks on New Year's Eve um, they are 11th in the NHL in points percentage at that point, they're right behind like St. Louis, uh, Calgary. They were right behind at that point. They're within like kind of shouting distance of Colorado. And now you look at how the standings look now, and they're definitely like quite a bit behind in the Western Conference. All of a sudden, you know, Minnesota, Colorado, St. Louis have really kind of separated themselves a little bit from the Knights in terms of points percentage. Nashville, because obviously they won here during this homestand is now a step above. And now the Knights are even with Calgary in terms of uh, points percentage. The Flames are six points behind the Knights with uh, five games in hand. So they're kind of way behind in terms of just going through the course of their schedule. But all of a sudden the Knights had an opportunity with this eight game homestand to kind of really go out in front 
And now they're instead tied with Calgary, knowing that they're going to be on the road a lot more than they're going to be at home the second half of the year. So it was a chance for them to earn a separation. They didn't really get it. Uh, Like I said, overall in the West, they're tied for fifth in points percentage. They're tied for 13th in the NHL in points percentage, which is not bad, especially because they had all those injuries at the beginning of the year. So I think we gave them a lot of rope to be like, hey, if they, you know, are basically 500-ish through October and a good chunk of November, that's probably a win. But still, at this point, you would like there to be a little bit more kind of uh, forward momentum. And even now, after the Pittsburgh game, you hear Mark Stone and Coach DeBoer kind of talk around, you know, basically, hey, it's not, you know, we're not going to blame the injuries for kind of the, the skid we're on right now. But also the injuries don't help. Um, and I'm curious to you when they're talking about that, Dave, and, um, you know, Toronto, they were very shorthanded because right before the game, you know, Nicholas Waugh and Owen Patrick, Shea Theodore, get put in COVID protocols. The Knights have to call up three guys from the Silver Knights, stick them in the lineup. But it wasn't like they were like crazy beat up. I feel like beyond what would be considered kind of normal for an NHL team in January against Pittsburgh. And so I don't know, that one didn't quite hold as much water for me. I mean, how much do you think, you know, injuries can account for, you know, the homestand not necessarily going as planned so far? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, what I think in some regard, I mean, maybe the Knights are a victim of their own success from the first month or so and being able to do what they did through that injury spell. And then we kind of expect them to just be able to do it again. and. You know, maybe that first run and that that first stretch was the aberration. And and maybe this is, you know, a little bit more normal and what you would expect from a team that, that's been decimated by some injuries. Like, I do think they're really, really feeling the loss of Pacioretty. And and I think you can, you know, look at the numbers and like I don't I don't think you you just directly go, oh, offense is the problem. You know, it, it's Probably actually on the other side of the ice, to be quite frank, you know, if you're going to start poking holes in things and we can do that, you know, here a little bit later on the podcast, that's what makes the podcast fun. Um, But like I'm looking at their lineup from Monday. I mean, you've basically got the first line intact with the Donoff in Pacioretty's place. And that's a five million dollar winger and say whatever you want about the Donoff. But like that's a high price guy that they brought in to, you know produce and play in those spots if and when guys got hurt and and be a top six villain so like you know that's not that there shouldn't be a drop off there they have the entire misfit line intact they have the entire third line intact that that pete DeBoer, you know you wrote this story you know about matthias yamark and one of the things i found interesting you know that matthias yamark mentioned was how pete DeBoer has worked around that third line and trying to keep them together, that Yanmark, Waugh, Kolasar, when all three of them are in the lineup, he he says, okay, those are that that line is there. And then I'm building around the fact that those three are are unavailable because they're a line. And and I found that interesting and in how much much trust he's given them. So like, you know, you've basically got what eight ninths of your top nine. And then, you know, a fourth line with Nolan Patrick. It was a number two overall pick, you know, a couple of years ago. William Carrier, Amadio, like 
no offense to any of the AHL guys that they brought up and have played really well, but like this is not a Silver Knights lineup that they rolled out there, you know, against Pittsburgh. And and so yeah, to be up three nothing with Robin Leonard and Net with you know the defense that they had and and the veteran experience that they had up front, like that shouldn't have been a game where you get steamrolled and then you say, oh, it was the injuries. You know, if anything, tip your cap to Pittsburgh, you know, but at least for that game, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, yeah, maybe maybe it was a little bit of an excuse that they were, you know, trying to come up with. And in general, again, I think maybe for the, the homestand, yeah, you know, there, there's been some, you know, some injury issues that, that have really plagued them. But I, I don't know that I can really buy it on Monday. And I think going forward here on Thursday, we'll see, you know, what they throw out there. But, you know, I'm, I'm sort of with Pete DeBoer a little bit where it's it's kind of getting old and tired as a, as a reason and, you know, an excuse that they keep bringing up for this. Yeah, well, it's interesting because, yeah, it was against Toronto, which I think, like I said, they had a bunch of fill-ins that game. So injury, I think, or in that case, COVID issues, I think, was a more legit excuse. But I do remember the look on Pete DeBoer's face. It was over Zoom, to be fair. But he was kind of like, you know, I think the exact quote was, this next man up stuff is getting a little old. So as you said, Dave, maybe we did, you know, and fans got a little bit spoiled by kind of their ability to respond to injuries early on in the season and maybe that set the bar almost too high where they kind of exceeded our expectations after we lowered them when you know stone patcheretti white cloud uh carlson martinez are all hurt and now we just kind of expect them to do it again but maybe you know the kind of rally the troops you know no one uh, expects anything from us now we're gonna go out and show them all kind of attitude that maybe they had to adopt early on in the season you get a little less rah-rah the second time you have to do that. We're just like, yeah, huzzah. It just kind of, you know, quiets out a little bit. And I, I feel like at certain points, you know, talking to players, once again, over Zoom, not in person, um, over the past couple of days, you do feel a little bit of that fatigue creeping in of like, could we maybe just have a normal couple weeks uh, of our season? I'm not sure if that's necessarily going to change since there's still obviously a pandemic happening and injuries are just part of hockey. But, you know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, one thing that was kind of talked about when the Knights were having their lengthy break between the Toronto and Pittsburgh game was, you know, this idea. And I believe it was uh, Knights um, inside of Gary Lawless who asked this of like, you know, has this team been able to establish its identity because just the lineup has been so inconsistent because in previous years, you know, we've seen the kind of ideal for this team being we're a four-line team that rolls our forwards and like comes at you in waves. And we've got three, you know, really good deep pairs that we kind of trust in all situations for the most part. And obviously in Nigeria world, especially last year, both goalies are good. So we can rotate both those guys and feel good. And for a lot of reasons, there have been very few games that we've kind of felt that this year. Like you said, I think there were stretches in December when they started to get guys back healthy for the most part. Obviously, Martinez never came back. But, you know, especially up front, you feel like, okay, they've got the four forward lines rolling and they're kind of, you know, wearing teams down and all that stuff. Um, I guess, do you buy into that as a potential 
you know, reason why this team might feel still a little kind of piecemeal right now is they just haven't been able to kind of consistently establish that identity this year. And so they've constantly been kind of searching for, you know, how do we get two points tonight rather than, you know, here's how we know we get two points when we've got everyone together and we know what our formula is. Yeah, you know, and I think early in the season we were complimenting them for being a team that, you know, figured out different ways to win and all that sort of stuff. It's a it's a quality trait to have, you know, to get unexpected goals, to, you know, struggle on a power play, but then, you know, have a game when you really need it and, and it comes through. It it seemed like those types of things were were happening early. And that's good, but like you said, at some point you want to know you know, okay, this is plan A. This is how we're going to go out most nights and get two points, win a game. And it still feels like there's not quite that identity yet. It doesn't feel like there's, it doesn't feel like there's that consistency with it. I think we've seen it in flashes. You know, I I can think of a game here, a game there, you know, the Flames game in December. Um, the Ducks game that we mentioned on New Year's Eve day, uh, you know, the Rangers game on the homestand, um, that, that I, whether it was, you know, being up for Jared Gallant's return, Ryan Reese's return, or, you know, just matching up well with whatever the Rangers presented that night. I I don't know, but like, it's just been few and far between and and you see it, you know, what they, what they want to try to do, you know, it, it, it always comes out, you know, you're limiting shots, you keep teams to the perimeter. You know, the Knights do really well in transition when they turn teams over and, you know, get out on the rush. All I, I mean, all of the stuff we've talked about for, you know, four plus years. Uh, I think it's interesting, you know, the, the, I was just thinking about something and I'm, I'm going to just go off on like a weird tangent. Um, one of the things that I found different from the first year in terms of like the crowd, and I and I get that that you know maybe there's a fewer people or whatever, but w- what I remember from the first year was the crowd reaction to when the Knights played fast, when the puck was moving, when they had speed through the neutral zone, you know all that sort of stuff, like just just playing with with that tempo, and and that's what excited the crowd the first year. And it happens so few and far between now. I, I mean, yes, I think teams have adjusted, and, and I think this is a different team. Obviously, different coach, different systems, and and things like that. That first year, but like some of that, just that playing fast, just feels like it's a little bit missing from from this team. And I don't know if it's a this year thing, an injury thing, a right now thing, you know, or if that's just something that they've got away from a little bit you know, with all of their personnel, but like we talked about, you know, earlier, you know, the building and just, you know, kind of the home record and, and things like that. And there are times where it feels a little bit stale in there. And it feels like if, if the Knights were able to, you know, play with a little more pace, connect with a few more passes and, and, you know, show some of that speed when, when Chandler Stevenson drives through the neutral zone through that middle lane and he gets that, quick little pass and everybody sees it and kind of, kind of gets a, that a little eruption and, and knows that, that there might be a, you know, a chance coming. Like that's what they, it feels like 
the energy that they need to to create and manufacture and you know for whatever reason right now just i don't know that that's one element of their game that that just feels like it's not there i don't know just just a random thought <laughs> team announcements powered by the review journal at nevadapreps.com nevada preps is sponsored by college prospects of america connecting student athletes with academic and athletic opportunities find out how at cpoa-nevada.com I don't know exactly necessarily how they, you know, recapture that or why it's missing. I mean, obviously they've focused on this whole kind of new neutral zone system in an attempt to make sure that they kind of find ways to keep their transition game going, even when a team teams are trying very hard not to give them rush opportunities. And yeah, like there have been times where you've really seen it and it's really worked. And I think it's worked for both the Knights and the crowd because we've seen so often if the Knights you know, score and get the crowd into it. The next five minutes are always so hard for the opposing team to deal with because the crowd gets it into it and feeds energy into the players who, you know, in turn get their feet moving and other teams kind of can get, you know, swamped or buried in that. And it just hasn't happened as much this year. And yeah, I think it's part of kind of all we're talking about, kind of this inconsistent identity that not establishing how they want to play. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, Pacioretty is still potentially out for a bit. Alec Martinez was practicing today, Wednesday, as we're recording this. So he might come back soon. But, you know, we're talking about Jack Eichel, who's now practicing with the team and is actually going to travel with them on their upcoming road trip. But he's not likely to play for another month, two months at this point. He's still well, well off from returning to a game. But, I mean, we know that the elephant in the room is that when he is ready to go, there's going to be some salary cap maneuvers that in all likelihood, unless someone suffers a serious injury, need to be made. And that's going to shake up the team's potential identity again. And they're going to have to figure out a different way to play at that point when Eichel's in the lineup and, you know, all of that. So, yeah, if that's kind of a possible rationale that we're talking about for what's happening, I don't know if it's necessarily going to get better, you know, as the season goes on. I don't think all of a sudden, you know, there are still things on the horizon where, you know, this team is going to have to figure out a way to coalesce on the fly uh, at some point here. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I'll just bring up something short term because, you know, we heard it and saw it today from Pete DeBoer and we heard it from him after the game. And I think there was some frustration, you know, behind what he said. But, you know, he he has really emphasized the last few days and especially today, Wednesdays we're recording this, like the physicality and, and upping that element. And he said they were a little too soft, you know, in front of their own net, you know, against Pittsburgh. And like, I think anytime you use that word soft, you know, it, it, it definitely perks up my ears and, and, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not implying that he was calling his team soft or anything like that, you know, but, that's that's one thing and and I think you know as we as we try to like examine this and and figure out reasons why are they you know not playing as well you know what why are they so hard to figure out like you know the one thing I think consistently that that we can look at you know is the defensive end of the ice and just you know whether it's the chances they're giving up um whether it's not being physical enough and in, in front of the net you know, or this is the other thing too, uh, you know, the goaltending, like it's just, it feels like some of that inconsistency that, that we've seen this year all, 
you know, really stems from from that end of the ice. You know, even though patcheretti has been out and Stone was out for a month and, you know, all these other sorts of things, like it, it really feels like if the Knights are going to go forward and, you know, meet all of these expectations that we set for them, that they set for themselves and everything, that it's that defensive end of the ice that really needs to tighten up. Yeah, and that's a perfect segue to get into our next topic. Because, yeah, we're talking about um, all this stuff because, you know, a lot of teams kind of go through like a midseason slump or maybe you could call, you know, for the Knights like a midseason malaise or whatever. But what's different when we talk about this team, of course, is the obvious Stanley Cup, you know, aspirations. If there's the Knights don't meet those, then I think a lot of players in the locker room will say, like, it's a disappointment. Like, that's the stated goal of this team just kind of getting in the playoffs, which they're still very much well positioned to do uh, is not what they're going for here. Even winning the division, which they're still tied for first uh, in terms of points percentage is not what the ultimate goal is. It's winning a Stanley cup. And as you said, Dave, the major question marks are all in uh, their zone and a little bit what's going on in net right now, just because we, you and I had like all, Good talk about this after the Penguins game, kind of circling around it because it's a weird topic. But um, the Knights, you know, as I'm sure most people that are listening to this are aware of, you know, entering the season, they had the Vezina Trophy winner, Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, They had a Jennings winning tandem with Fleury and Robin Leonard. And obviously they broke it up because they felt that that was too expensive and that, you know, carried too much weight in terms of them filling out the rest of their roster. So they went from you know, one of the best goaltending teams in the NHL last year, like I said, fewest goals allowed, second team save percentage. Um, instead, they go to a Leonard Laurent Brassois tandem, um, which combined those two make only slightly more than Mark Andre Fleury. So you knew that that was probably going to be, you know, a downgrade in terms of overall results in net, but the hope would be, well, now, but you can spread talent skater wise kind of throughout your lineup and maybe you'll have an overall better cup contending team despite having kind of slightly worse goaltending. Um, but so far this year, I think it's dropped off farther than people would have expected. Certainly that I would have expected um, the Knights as of right now are 22nd in team save percentage at 899. Uh, Leonard's at 904. Brassois at 900. Um, and they are, you know, like 19th in expected goals against per 60 minutes at five on five. Uh, that's according to naturalstatric.com. And then they are 20th, and actual goals against per 60 minutes. So they're basically getting kind of exactly the results that their five-on-five five defense implies they should. Now, last year, um, they were actually about the same spot in terms of expected goals against per 60 minutes, but they are in the top 10 and actual goals allowed per 60 minutes at five-on-five. Five. So their goaltending was making their defense look better than it actually was last year makes sense. That's why you win a Vesna trophy if you're Mark Andre Fleury. Whereas this year their goaltending is making their defense look exactly what it is, which as of right now is kind of below average. And you know, I don't know how to evaluate, project, kind of wrap my head around all of this because Robin Leonard, as of right now, has the worst save percentage of his career since his rookie year. I don't necessarily expect that to continue because we've you know seen him perform very well here, obviously kind of thrive here as a uh, playoff starter one year and then, you know, briefly a playoff starter last year as well. 
Um, but also, I think it's fair to say that Robin Leonard hasn't played up to his own standard, and he hasn't played up to kind of the standards you would expect of what you want from a number one goaltender on a Stanley Cup contending team. And so, I don't know, it's a weird kind of place to be in with it where it's probably not up to par right now. There are reasons to think it will improve, but you obviously have some urgency to make sure it improves if you're the Golden Knights because goaltending is the biggest thing that will either help or hurt your case to win a Stanley Cup. Uh, So that's a long preamble to just leave me to the simple question of, you know, where are you kind of at with this, Dave, and where the the Knights goaltending kind of sits right now almost halfway through the season? For some reason, I keep coming back to the Dennis Green quote of they are who they thought we, they you know, they are who we thought they are. And, and, and like, I guess that's, you know, maybe not fair because you would have figured that the Knights would be better. But, like, I think why why I'm thinking of this or whatever is we're halfway through the season, you know, and the numbers are what they are. Like, it's it's not a small sample size anymore. And so, so that's why I say, like, you know, they are who we thought. They, like, they are, at this point, what the numbers say. Uh, like, Robin, it's funny. Like, <laughs> Robin Leonard during that stretch in December and, and all that would like conveniently slip in, you know, I, I, you know, I don't look at the numbers, but I thought, you know, I think I've won six straight or whatever. Like, well, you know, correct, Robin, you have won six straight, but you also got pulled against Dallas after giving up three goals and 10 shots. Like then they came back and Rossois got the decision and what, you know, so like you got bailed there's so many different things and like all these, whatever that you can look at it and try to make it good and try to, you know, paint a pretty picture with it and whatever and spin it. How, you know, it's just not good enough. Like that's what it comes down to, you know, we're 40 games into an 82 game season. And uh, like you explained it perfectly, you know, all the, the numbers that expected, you know, expected goals and what their actual goal, like, like it's in the bottom half of the league. It's not it's not where it needs to be. Like that's just a fact. And you know, when we were chatting after that game on Monday, I thought it was so simple the way that you put it, but it was so spot on and, and just correct. It's like it's not it's not the goaltending's fault. Like you can't pin it on them. It's not like you're looking at them going, Oh, there's all these bad goals and that's why they're losing. But you also look at them and you go, you're getting a lot of money, Robin Leonard. And for a backup, you know, Brossois was getting a lot of money too when he was healthy. And you want one more save. You know, you want two more saves a game, one more save a game, like whatever it might be, you know, just just make one more save that maybe you weren't supposed to, you know, come up with something because you're an all-star, you know, earn your money as a top 10 goalie. like. You know, again, it's 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 not bad goals. It's not it's not I'm not pinning blame, but you also want your goaltender to step up for you and, and bail your team out a little bit. It was really interesting. I, I was very prepared on Monday to ask Robin Leonard and ask Pete DeBoer about the save that he made in the opening minute against Jason Zucker, because I thought at the at the time and after 20 minutes, the way that that game was starting to shape up, I thought that was a huge save because 
you're coming out, you haven't played in six, six days. You're trying to find your legs. You don't want to fall behind early and you need your goaltender. You need, you need that guy to, to make a big save and keep you in it, you know, until you find your game. And that save would like epitomize that. And then they go up three, nothing, you know? And then of course, like everything we talked about, like, you know, the wheels fall apart and everything like that. But it's like, you want like one more save like that a game or, or, or something. And, and it just feels like, you know, maybe at that point it, it changes the the mood on the bench. You, maybe you, you're not chasing a game. Maybe you're tied in a game, you know, or something like that. And you can attack differently, you know, all this different butterfly effect stuff, but you know, it, it yeah. Like you said, Ben, when we were chatting, it just, it's like, it just feels like they need one more save per game right now. Yeah, it's a really kind of tricky thing to describe because Robin Leonard, you know, as I hope I laid out, like I don't think Robin Leonard has been bad this year. I think he's been solid. He's been fine. But as you said, I mean, for a goaltender that you want to potentially lead a team to a Stanley Cup, you obviously want better than fine. And I don't think he's necessarily carried them to that many wins this year I don't think he sunk them in too many games this year but when you know you kind of laid it out when you're an NHL goaltender that's getting paid five million dollars a year and has had a very good career to this point you know I don't I don't think gold Knights fans should just be able to walk away from a game and break down like oh well like you know these goals like weren't necessarily Robin Leonard's fault just like I think when Flurry was here, there are times where goals might not have been Flurry's fault, and sometimes that doesn't matter. Sometimes you just need your goalie to make a save. Um, I think about that in terms of you hear that with quarterbacks in the NFL sometimes of like the elite quarterbacks. What you want them to do is to make your offensive coordinator look good when they, you know, kind of screw a play up when they call a bad play, and the quarterback just makes it look good anyway because they kind of you know, improvised on the fly or whatever. And sometimes in hockey, your defense is going to have a breakdown and you need your goalie to come up big anyway and, you know, not walk away being like, oh, well, you know, they didn't make that save, but their defense put them in a bad spot. It's like, well, sometimes, you know, the very best goalies get paid a lot of money to make saves in bad spots. And I think Robin Leonard has done that at times this year. I think actually for a lot of the Penguins game, he did that because I thought for large parts of that game, the Knights defense was not very good, especially in the first two periods. And he was kind of the one keeping them in that game. I actually thought he probably would have been kind of what I would have considered the first star of the game after two periods. And then the Penguins get two quick ones. So I don't know. It's a very interesting conundrum or, you know, I don't obviously think anything is going to happen in terms of Rob Leonard, other than the Knights just kind of need to hope that, he kind of rediscovers his game in the second half of the year. I mean, this is a guy that's obviously been a part of two Jennings winning tandems. He's been a Vesna trophy finalist before. Uh, he has all the capability in the world of producing a good second half of the season. But I do think it's fair to point out at least halfway through the year right now that this has not been necessarily, you know, the encouraging this, these guys are going to carry us to the Stanley cup kind of tandem that maybe the Knights were hoping or expecting or believing in when they walked away from a guy that won a Vesna trophy last year, Dave. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's funny. So like, I'm not as good as 
you with the numbers and, and things like that and, and sort of putting him into context and digesting him. But, you know, I can also go on to hockey reference and I can look at goals saved above average and I can scan all the way down to number 54 of the, what is that, 68 goalies that are listed. And with a minus 4.77 goal saved above average is Robin Leonard. And Laurent Brossois is at number 47 with a minus 3.20 goal saved above average. So I'm assuming a goal saved above average usually needs to be a positive number for it to be like good, like above seems to stick out to me and like a negative is no bueno. So like, yeah, I mean, just because I'll throw the fuel on the fire here, Marc-Andre Fleury is at 14th overall, 5.59 goals saved above average. So, you know, whatever, take that, you know, and, and run with it however you want. Um, but, you know, factor in means, like, you can crunch these numbers and look at them, you know, any different way and, you know, try to justify, you know, this, that, or the other thing. But, yeah, I, I think for right now what we can safely say is if the Knights were in a seven-game series against a really quality opponent and getting the goaltending that they're getting right now, they're probably not going to get out of that and advance and continue on. And and they made all of their decisions and brought in Robin Leonard and did everything based on the fact that they thought, you know, they had a Stanley Cup winning goaltending combination. And right now it's not playing up to that. And, you know, like you said earlier, it's a big elephant in the room and, you know, I don't think management or anybody wants to talk about it. And, you know, I'm sure they'll spin it, you know, real hard if we were to ask about it. But, you know, facts are facts. Numbers are numbers right now. And the goaltending just, you know, hasn't been good, good enough. No, agreed. Like we've been talking about, like, I don't think it's been bad. But it also, as you just said, it has not been good enough for a team that obviously has the highest of aspirations this season. We'll see how it all plays out. For the Golden Knights, they wrap up this very, very long eight-game homestand tomorrow against the Montreal Canadiens, who, of course, defeated them in the NHL semifinal last season for hitting the road next week, starting with the game against the Washington Capitals. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge Podcast. As a reminder, we are brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Please make sure to check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com. We are also presented by Blue Wire. And of course, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do podcasts, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. Uh, he's Dave Shane. I'm Ben Goats. We are the Golden Age Podcast. And we'll talk to you guys again real soon. All the Nevada Preps high school sports coverage you need, plus all Southern Nevada team announcements powered by the Review Journal at NevadaPreps.com. Nevada Preps is sponsored by College Prospects of America, connecting student athletes with academic and athletic opportunities. Find out how at CPOA-Nevada.com.